0: Presenting this month's special series, Focus on Allergy. Allergy season is in full swing. From asthma to food allergies, ReachMD is keeping you up to date with the latest in allergy medicine.
1: Congenital cytomegalovirus infection causes auditory, cognitive, and neurologic impairment in thousands of infants each year in the United States. It can be difficult to recognize infection in pregnant women because CMV often produces few symptoms and antiviral treatment during pregnancy may have toxic effects. Could a new vaccine prevent maternal CMV infection during pregnancy and decrease the incidence of congenital CMV infection and its sequelae? You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Immunology. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Shu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Robert Pass, professor of pediatrics and microbiology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Pass.
0: Hello, Jennifer.
1: So tell us, why is there a need for a vaccine against cytomegalovirus? Because congenital cytomegalovirus infection is a
0: very important cause of central nervous system disability in infants and children. It's certainly one of the leading causes of hearing loss in children and is also a very important cause of mental retardation and cerebral palsy. And there doesn't seem to be any other available way of preventing the maternal infections that lead to congenital CMV infection.
1: Is CMV an infection mostly of childhood? Wouldn't we mostly be immune? Wouldn't childbearing women be immune by the time they're pregnant or is this not true?
0: Well I think that is true. That's largely true. Most people acquire CMV during childhood if you look at it on a worldwide basis the proportion of women who reach their childbearing years immune to CMV is highly variable. In some segments of our population, 75 or 80% of women will be immune to CMV or will have had CMV infection prior to the time they reach their reproductive years. In other segments of the population, it may be as low as 25 or 30%. So the proportion who are susceptible to CMV during the time when they're going to be having children is quite variable, and there are quite a significant proportion of women who are susceptible to CMV during that period of time. In addition, one can be infected with CMV even if you were immune in the past. So there are a significant number of congenital CMV infections actually occur in women who had previous immunity to the virus.
1: So is it not important then to check for CMV antibodies before pregnancy or during pregnancy since they can still get infected?
0: Well, I think there's some variation in opinion on that subject. There are experts in this field who think that women should be screened at their first prenatal visit or, or perhaps even before pregnancy. It's, it's pretty hard to think of how we would implement a plan to screen women before pregnancy. So most of that type of screening is done at first prenatal visit. The reason that there's no agreement in this area is that we have very limited action that we can take based on the results of that information at this time. For example, we don't have a vaccine that we could give to women now. We certainly don't have a vaccine that we could give to pregnant women, uh, but there's no vaccine license for CMV infection now. There's no antiviral treatment that can be used to treat maternal infection during pregnancy. What one potential value of knowing whether or not a woman had ever had CMV infection at the time of a pregnancy is that if she was known to be susceptible, that is she was antibody negative, proving that she had never had CMV infection, one could then counsel her on practical ways that might be effective in avoiding acquiring CMV during pregnancy. We know, for example, that that the two most important sources of maternal CMV infection are contact with young children, preschool aged children, especially those who attend daycare centers, and also sexual contacts. And we also know that the virus is spread by close contact or con- direct contact with body fluids. So if someone is providing care for young children or has a young child in their own home, their own child, for example, it would be very important to wash your hands after every contact with that child's body fluids, especially during pregnancy, and to avoid direct contact with that child's body fluids to the extent that it's possible to do so. And I acknowledge that it's not possible to do that if you're a parent. It's not completely possible to do that. Similarly, in the realm of sexual contacts, and this seems like pretty obvious common sense, I think, to most people, is that you would not want to have a a new sex partner during pregnancy, because that means that you're likely exposed to someone that you've not been exposed to in the past, and if that person had had CMV, they could transmit it to you, whereas if you're in a stable monogamous relationship and you're pregnant, you've probably already had a chance to acquire whatever persistent infection like CMV, for example, that your partner will have had.
1: Let's say a pregnant woman does become infected with CMV. What are the chances of transmitting that to the fetus?
0: If she gets CMV for the first time during pregnancy, about one-third, about 35 to 40%, maybe a little more than one-third of those infections are transmitted to the fetus.
1: And of those, how many will show some type of symptoms of a congenital CMV infection?
0: That's a very good question because most babies that have congenital CMV infection are normal when they're born. They look normal. And in fact, most of them do not have any problems related to CMV. However, of those who are born to mothers who get CMV for the first time during pregnancy, about 25% of them will have some type of abnormality due to CMV.
1: So now that we've established that CMV does have such an impact on pregnant women and infants, why has an effective vaccine against CMV not yet been developed?
0: That's a thing. difficult question and it's a very complicated question because development of a vaccine involves a number of things happening. I think society and the pharmaceutical industry have to recognize that the problem is significant enough that it merits a vaccine. The scientific community and the pharmaceutical industry have to see a pathway to development of an effective vaccine And then I think the public health sector, including government funding of research programs and also the pharmaceutical industry, have to have the discipline to spend the money to to get the job done. So those are the things that have to happen. CMV is a chronic viral infection. When people get CMV infection, you're basically infected for life. The virus never leaves your body. So the virus has evolved means of Interfering with your immune system that allow it to persist in your body for that length of time. And I think CMV, like most chronic viral infections, is particularly challenging for vaccine prevention. You know, vaccines are going to induce an immune response that is going to prevent or control an infection. And here we have a virus that has learned how to have persistent infection in its human host in spite of the host immune response. So I think that looked like a pretty daunting problem to most people in this area. So in addition, some of our most successful vaccines now are live virus vaccines, such as the measles vaccine, the rubella vaccine, mumps vaccine, varicella vaccine. The live viral vaccine pathway for CMV doesn't look so attractive Because it is a persistent infection and because there is the risk of transmission of the virus from mother to fetus, I think many people feared that a live vaccine for CMV might somehow result in the vaccine virus being transmitted to the fetus. So I think that created a particularly high hurdle for proving safety of a live virus vaccine, which for other viral-caused infections has been the most rapid pathway to vaccine development.
1: If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu. Our guest is Dr. Robert Pass, professor of pediatrics and microbiology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham School of Medicine. We're discussing an experimental vaccine to prevent congenital cytomegalovirus infection. So you recently published a study about an experimental CMV vaccine What is in the vaccine and what is its mechanism of action?
0: The vaccine that we studied is based on a protein that's part of the envelope or outer covering of the virus. The protein is called glycoprotein B. And this is a very important protein for the virus because it helps the virus attach to cells that it's going to infect. That's the major function of that protein. And the virus has to have this protein to be able to infectious and to survive. In addition, we know from studies that were done more than 15 years ago that when people are infected by CMV, they make antibody to this protein. And we know that the antibody to this protein will actually neutralize the virus or render it non-infectious. So that provided a pretty good rationale for this protein to be a component of a vaccine. And the protein that's in the vaccine is actually produced by recombinant DNA technology. So a gene for that protein was placed into mammalian cells that are grown in culture, and then those cells excrete that protein into the media, and it can be harvested from those and put in the vaccine. So the vaccine has no infectious material in it. It is simply a protein that is found on the surface of the virus and a protein that is very important Of viral life cycle, and a protein that is a target of the human immune response.
1: I understand there's also a new adjuvant that's being used in this experimental CMV vaccine. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: I think many people forget that adjuvants are part of vaccines. The most widely used adjuvant now is alum. It's used in quite a number of vaccines. The adjuvant used in the vaccine that we studied is called MF fifty nine and it is a preparation of an oil called squalene, which is, when used with the vaccine antigen, enhances the immune response to the vaccine. In other words, if we give the vaccine antigen, that is glycoprotein B, with MF59, we get a higher antibody response to the viral protein than if that adjuvant is not used. Now, MF59 has been studied with a number of other vaccines, and in fact, it is part of a influenza vaccine that is licensed for use in Europe. So even though it's investigational in this particular study, it has been licensed for use in Europe with a different vaccine.
1: And in your study, how effective was the vaccine
0: Our study was a phase two study. This was the first time that anyone had tried to test the efficacy of this vaccine for preventing infection. It was preceded by a number of studies that established the optimal dose of the antigen and timing for immunization and also generated safety data for the vaccine. So the goal of our study was to determine whether we could prevent maternal infection. And since this was the first test of efficacy, we hypothesized or we determined The size of our study, based on a hypothesis of 50% efficacy, and that's actually what we achieved. The overall efficacy for the analysis reported in the New England Journal paper was 50%. That is, people who received vaccine were 50% less likely to get CMV infection than were the women who didn't who received placebo.
1: So, you were studying maternal infection. Did you also look at infant infection or infant symptoms?
0: We did look at congenital infection. We tested all of the babies born to women in the study for congenital CMV infection. Now, as a phase two study, this study had several hundred women in it, but it did not have a large enough sample size to test a hypothesis concerning congenital infection because we knew at best we would have a couple of hundred babies born the course of the study, and that that has turned out to be true. What we found, though, is that there were more congenital infections born to placebo recipients than were born to women who got the vaccine. One of the interesting things about this study is that this was more a proof-of-concept study. When we initiated the study, we viewed it as a proof-of-concept study that would basically demonstrate that we could identify a population of women in whom we could do a good efficacy trial for a CMV vaccine. We hoped that the study would give us a clue whether or not the vaccine would reduce the rate of congenital infection. We weren't really counting on the vaccine to be able to prevent maternal infection. What we thought would more likely happen is that it would modify maternal infection in some way. For example, if women who got the vaccine got infected, they would have a different antibody response, they might have less virus in their body fluids something that would make us think that they would be less likely to transmit it to their fetus and that if that occurred the next step would be a large study looking at with congenital infection as an endpoint so we were quite surprised that the vaccine actually had efficacy to prevent maternal infection and i think that was surprising to many people who work in this field because if you prevent maternal infection of course That's a home run. If the mother doesn't get infected, the fetus is not going to get infected. There still remains the possibility that the vaccine's ability to prevent congenital infection could exceed its ability to prevent maternal infection. In other words, even if women who get the vaccine get CMV during pregnancy, it may decrease the chance that that will be transmitted to the fetus compared to women who have not had the vaccine. That's a question that's yet to be answered.
1: I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Robert Pass. We've been discussing an experimental vaccine to prevent congenital cytomegalovirus infection. I'm Dr. Jennifer Shu. You've been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening.
0: You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Allergy. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at reachmd.com.